0: I hope you enjoyed opening presents, too, (laughs) during these uh, last days. Uh, That manger scene there is a beautiful one. I'm going to share a message that's called, What Christmas is Really All About. And uh, there was a little boy who had uh, drawn a manger scene for his uh, Sunday school class. And when he is done with it, he shows the teacher what was drawn. And there's Mary and Joseph, and there's also the baby Jesus. There's the animals and the shepherds, and there's a large boy sitting by the baby Jesus. And the teacher, she asked him, well, who's that chubby boy in your manger scene? And he replied, well, that's round John Virgin. Well, just as the little boy had a distorted perception of the Christmas scene, many have a distorted view of what christmas really is. you know, we live in a time that many theologians call a, a post-christian culture. the influence of christianity is really being diluted in our culture. and there's institutions and holidays that have really, you know, once been sacred, but now they've lost most if not all of their significance religiously. you know, i go to stores, and i'm sure you do, And I love to say to the cashier, you know, Merry Christmas. And, you know, they are really the ones who are dictated to say only Happy Holidays now, right? The average person on the street, they don't even know the major origin of what the true meaning of Christmas is. And the truth of the matter is that those of us who do know what the meaning of Christmas is, it tends to get, you know, forgotten in the midst of all the shopping the meals, the family, and the gift-giving. So today is really a good day for us to look at what Christmas is really about. And Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, is a Christmas text. Listen to these words from St. Paul. But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that they and we might receive adoption to sonship, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir, an heir to eternal life. The Christian Galatians, you know, they, in Paul's day, they also needed a reminder about the significance and the meaning of Christmas. And they were turning from the gospel, which was by the grace of God, and they were making themselves subject to the law instead. And Paul wrote these words to remind them that there's a significance of what Christ has done for them when he came to this earth. So what is Christmas really all about? Well, it's about the coming of our Savior. Christmas is a time of celebration. It's one of the most important days in human history. The day that Christ was born. And in verse 4, at the beginning of that text, we see some very important things about Christ and his coming. First, his divine origin. You know, there was an event that took place before the birth of Christ in the manger. That event took place even before it was Jesus being conceived in Mary's womb, it was the sending forth of Christ from his Father text says that, but when the time had fully come, God sent his Son. You see, Jesus always existed with the Father. You know, the first words of that Gospel from John, what was it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's praying there before his crucifixion, he says to his Father, "Glorify me with your pre- glorify me with your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus had always existed in perfect relationship with his Father. And one day, God sent him to earth. And it was certainly the right time for him to come. You know, why didn't Jesus come right after you know, Noah and the flood, you know, and that event took place? Or what about at Moses' time, and people were rescued from slavery then? What about Isaiah and Jeremiah and those other prophets? Well, when Jesus came, the time had fully come. The Jews, they were under Roman rule now and had been for about 60 years. And they could still exercise their own religion, although they had to be under someone else's rule. And we know that Greek was the universal language, too. Jews, they were now dispersed around the world. The Romans, they had even made paved roads for their military. But look at what happened. It was a great avenue to get the word out as people could travel sharing the good news of Jesus in later years. Philippians chapter 2, it doesn't describe the event of, of Jesus' birth and that, but it does demonstrate to us that Jesus had made a conscious choice to be sent. It says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. In love for humanity, God the Father sent his Son. And in love for the Father and humanity, Jesus willingly went. Now We can only imagine what took place when Jesus was sent forth. He willingly and obediently left a place of glory, A place without sin. It was perfection there. And it was unbroken fellowship with his father. And what does he do? He enters into the womb of a teenage girl. He became a human being. A human embryo. An unborn babe. I don't believe it's possible for us to grasp this. Words fail here tremendously. All the fullness of God, the deity, dwelling in a human embryo. How Jesus had limited himself to time and space now. This was his divine origin. And then in the same verse, we see Paul says he's born of a woman. The previous statement, God sent forth his son, that could be said of no other man in the world. But to be born of a woman, we know that's true of all people. And while Jesus was fully divine in origin, he was also likewise fully human. He entered the world just as you and I enter it. Born of a woman, he became a man. He was Mary's son. He hungered and thirsted, and he ate and drank. He worked and played and laughed. He sang and prayed, and he wept and hurt and bled and died. Jesus' most frequent title for himself, he says, I'm the son of man. And although he knew he was the Messiah, he also used it to stress his, fu- his full humanity. And then we see from this verse his ethnicity, born under the law. He was born a Jew. And like all Jews, he placed himself under the law of Moses. And although he was God's son, he subjected himself to God's law. In fact, he began to teach that he made it clear that He had not, contrary to popular belief, come to wipe out the law, to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And he did that perfectly. Not only outwardly, but also perfectly from the heart. And that can be said of no other person in the world, right? Christianity, we know that Christmas is about the coming of a Savior. And because of that coming... It's also about the acceptance of sinners. You and me. Verse 5 begins with the word to. T-O. Now, to do what? Well, Paul is now going to tell us why Christ came. Why he was born. And why he lived under the law. And he tells us about a twofold purpose. And the second one builds on the first. First, he says, to redeem those under law. Now, to redeem... Redeem means to set one free, to purchase one's freedom. And who are those under law? Well, first it speaks of the, the Jewish people. You know, Christ came to set his own people free from the enslavement of the law. That law was given directly to them. However, all people are subject to and accountable to the law of God. In Romans chapter 2, Paul says of the Gentiles, Indeed, When Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they're a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. All people are subject to God's law, Jew and Gentile alike. So why must we be set free from God's moral law? Well, it's because we know that the law can't make us righteous. Knowing the rules and even trying to keep the rules in our own power We know we're just setting ourselves up for failure. We need something more than a written moral code. We need a change of heart. Jesus came to set us free from that law and its curse of death and hell. How did he do it? Well, chapter 3 of Galatians tells us in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. And Jesus, he's the one who removed our curse. By taking that curse and being nailed to a cross instead. God's curse has been removed once and for all. For all those who believe. For all those who don't believe, we need to get that word out to them. So that they can know that God in Jesus Christ has died for them too. So why did he remove our curse? Well, that's the second purpose that Paul says, that we might receive the full rights of sons. He set us free from that curse so that he could place us in his family so that you and I together can become adopted sons of God. We can bear all the rights and privileges of being those spiritual sons and daughters of him. In the John's first letter, chapter 3, those words reminded me about what he said. John says, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are, he says. Yeah, you and I have moved from slavery to sonship. Being a son or a daughter of our Heavenly Father. Lastly, Paul in our text, he says, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. God lives in our innermost being. He's right there. He's not a distant God. We know that Christmas is a personal thing for each of us. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, making us alive, making us know that we are children of God, for the Holy Spirit is the one who cries out, Abba, Father, he says you know that the first words that normally come out of a Hebrew child are Abba or Daddy? It's a natural or, shall I say, a a supernatural affection and trust. Father means nurturer, protector, defender. That's the heart cry of a child of God. It's a cry of trust. It's a cry of closeness. A cry of worship and love. That's the cry that is in our hearts even this morning. In our hearts, God's not distant. He's not cruel. We know that we're not terrified of him. Instead, he's abba to us. He's daddy. Share that relationship that you have with the heavenly Father. And as you share that good news of Jesus Christ at Christmas time and throughout the years, May the song of those who realize what Christmas is really all about be, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on in us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide in us, our Lord Emmanuel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing us this day and and every day, Lord. And as you give us this opportunity to worship you today, may we take that strength, that excitedness about it, and uh, may it be shown throughout, not just these days of Christmas, but throughout all of our lives. Bless us, Lord, and may that good news that Jesus Christ is born be made known in us and through us. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen